Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on a very uh, somber Maroon Friday. Is uh, Mississippi State's athletic year has come to an end. Mississippi State falls last night in uh, heartbreaking fashion to Louisville, four to three. We'll get in and break the ball game down. We'll kind of look ahead, take a look back. We'll uh, just you know kind of wrap up the whole season here. Very very difficult night last night. It looked like State was in a very good position. You get uh, six innings from JT again, six zeros, despite him not having his best stuff. He gives you the effort you needed. Bullpen simply couldn't hold it. Hold the lead. Uh, Mississippi State offense had some opportunities. Up 3-0, had a chance to put the game away, just couldn't come through there, and, and, and the season's over. And, uh, and here's the thing, and I had this discussion with Dave Murray last night. The only one team's going to win the final game. And one day that's going to be us. But it wasn't this year. And many of us, including myself, thought we had a really good chance uh, to get to that point. And then we lose that ball game to Vanderbilt. And in many respects, I think Vanderbilt might have beat us twice. I think the, uh, you know, maybe the uh, the disappointment of losing to Vanderbilt and then facing the daunting task of having to play them twice was perhaps in the back of our minds. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to use that as an excuse, you know, tip our cap to Louisville. They, they, they made the plays to win the ball game. And uh, I'm not going to sit here and talk about announcers or umpires or any of that. I'm just going to talk about Mississippi State, and I'm going to talk about what this season has meant. 
what the future looks like and kind of what we can expect moving forward and and uh you know pay pay tribute to some guys that have been great bulldogs for us for the last few years. I want to thank our good friends at Campus Bookmart. Always great friends. You need to commemorate the season if you hadn't done so already. You can do so by going to campusbookmart.net and order yourself a Omaha Oma Dog shirt or a College World Series shirt, anything you need. And it's t-shirt time this time of year anyway. Go ahead and order that. Uh, order a few of them. I'll fit the whole family. But uh, we'll save you a little cash for being a loyal Boneyard listener. When you go to campusbookmart.net, use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50. And anytime you can save a few bucks on things you love and need, it's always a good thing. We're happy to do it for you. Uh, so let's get into it. I don't I don't believe in having a postmortem, but um, let's take a quick look back. It seemed like early on in the ball game, you know, once once state kind of got going there, uh, you know, it, it took us a need or two to kind of get to Bennett, but uh, we knew we would. We knew Bennett was not long for the past year. But if you look at at his uh, recent starts, as I mentioned yesterday, four of his last five starts, he's gone. I think three or four innings at most has not been very good. And and I, I thought he was good enough early on, and State finally gets to him. You know, that, that first inning pretty much uneventful for both teams. Just, you know, one of those things that happens. But uh, nothing really takes place there. Ginn is very good. Didn't think Ginn, Ginn was getting behind hitters. It seemed like he struggled. I, I think he only threw one first pitch strike to the first nine hitters that he faced. And, uh, again, this is a guy that hadn't pitched in three weeks and goes up there in Omaha and, and really gives you a winning effort. Second inning, pretty much more of the same. Uh, they gave Campbell a single to first base. Should have been an error. Was not a legitimate hit. That's one of those balls that went off uh, uh, Tanner Allen's glove. Kind of a tough luck play there. But I, I ruled it an E3. Official score called it a single. So that's what it ended up being. And that was Louisville's... Uh, uh, credited with their first hit of the night. Again, not much happens. And then uh, you really felt like in the top of third, State had an opportunity to kind of get up early in this deal. Halter grounds out, and then Gilbert is walked. Mangum's hit by the pitch. Now you've got two runners on with less than two outs, and you've got two and three up in your order. Westberg K's on a full count, and Allen flies out to center field. It was a missed opportunity. And uh, when you get guys in scoring position and at, at this stage, and you've got to be able to push them through, and I really feel like, you know, State's got to kind of look at some things in order you know, for next year, which there'll have to be some changes because there's going to be some personnel changes. But uh, you can't continue to have non-productive outs in the top third of the order. You, you, that, that just can't happen. And some of that's part of the game. But what you can't consistently have a lot of swing and strikeouts from top third of the order. When you've got guys that are, you know, Marshall Gilbert, I think in the end, ended up being having State's uh, highest on base percentage, and then you have the, the greatest hitter in the history of the Conference leading off. you got to find a way to get those guys around. Didn't happen. Uh, Louisville gets their first legitimate hit of the day with a, uh, a line drive to right. Uh, they're in the bottom of the third, and uh, again gets out of it, gets a strikeout. Um, and then there's there's one of those plays too, and I don't understand it now, and I will miss this. Dustin Skelton's one of those guys that really sees the field well, and in the last year and eighteen months or so, he's kind of learned his limitations 
and his strength. And he is the guy that, unless the ball really scoots away, he's going to throw you out. And uh, that's how that, that inning ended with somebody. And, and the guy was out 15 feet. I, I You know, I, I, people, and I saw some people kind of commenting on some comments that were made on social media about, well, you know, he read the ball in the dirt. Well, he didn't read it correctly. Yeah, the ball was a bouncer, but Skelton fields the thing clean. And I don't I think Dustin was even surprised the guy was running. I know I was. I couldn't believe it. It was almost like it's a busted play. But he takes off and he is out with change. And then the fourth inning state gets going. And and even as good as this thing went, it seems like we should have had some more. You know what I'm saying? It's like Magnamy grounds out, Foscue gets a single. Skelton strikes out. So now all of a sudden you're thinking, okay, this is going to be another one of those innings where we get somebody on and don't get them in. But that's not what happened. Rowdy doubles to right field. Foscue scores. Gunnar Halter comes through singles. And that, it's 2 nothing. Gilbert walks. Now you get first and second. Uh, and Jake flies out the center. You know, a, a base hit there. We're probably talking a different ballgame. But again, not going to be critical of Jake Mangum ever. At that point, we needed to come right back and get a quick inning. We needed to get back in the dugout. That's exactly what we get. Now, this is when I, I think once we got the lead, Ginn really seemed to calm down. You know, he, he, was, he was already pretty good. But I think after we get a lead, he was the one that probably benefited most from that. Gets a ground out for Fitzgerald, strikes out Pinellas looking, and Pinellas is their star. And then Snyder flies out to center field. And it was really a quick inning. Really a quick inning for Ginn. So you get right back in, one, two, three. You get into the fifth. And now you're thinking, okay, how much longer can Ginn go? How much longer can we get? Well, Bennett leaves the game. They bring in Hoeing, and, and you know we had Bennett on the ropes, and I think they realized that. So tip of the cap to Dan McDonald for making the call there. They bring in Hoeing, and he really slowed Mississippi State down for a while. He gets Westbrook to strike out, swinging on a full count. Allen singles, Magnamy strikes out, Foskey strikes out. So he strikes out the side there, his first inning of action. You still feel like, okay, we're, we're all right here. We're all right. We got a lead. Again, goes right back out, gets you one, two, three inning. Gets a ground out, ground out, fly out. Another quick inning. At this point, it really felt like that he was cruising. Didn't know how deep he could go, but you felt like, you know what, these guys aren't going to be able to catch up as long as JT Ginn's in the ballgame. We get into the sixth, and again, State, uh, not able to really capitalize. Hoeing's kind of holding things down. Skelton grounds out. Rowdy grounds out. Landon Jordan pinch hits for Halter, and uh, he strikes out swinging. You get into the bottom of the six. You get this again. This is the third hit against Skin, and it's an infield hit to the right side. Uh, Mike could have made a play there. Dunn grounds out as a sack bunt. Leonard out. Leonard again. Somebody else takes off and tries to run the third, and, and Skelton throws him out, and that one. Almost as bad as the as the first one, and then Wyatt grounds out the first. And so while they did get the one base runner, Mississippi State puts the thing you know again kind of bears down here. And you get to the sixth, I think somewhere around eighty one pitches. I think that's where he ended up. And let me double check that just to be sure. I believe eighty one pitches. Yeah, eighty one pitches, forty six strikes. He gives up three hits, and only one of those leaves the infield. He had two hits, two Tanner Allen. Uh, and a couple of tough plays that I'm not being critical of Tanner. I'm, I'm just really kind of speaking to the dominance of JT Ginn, even though he did not have his electric stuff. He had not pitched in a game in three weeks. And then he limits them to two infield hits and one ball that went the other way. And that's it. 
Uh, I think that bodes well for the future. One of the things that we've said for a couple of weeks now is JT's going to be fine. And I know some people thought he was going to go out there and his arm might fall off in the ball game, but that's not what happened. He leaves. We got three innings, nine outs left to manage, and, and we're going to advance. And then we get the benefit of in that seventh inning of adding a big insurance run. Finally. Uh, Marshall Gilbert strikes out. Mangum singles to the right side. And with that single, Jake becomes the single season hits leader in Mississippi State history. Hit number 108. Passes Adam Frazier. He set the record in 2013. Both of those guys' final hits come in Omaha. Uh, and, you know, everybody joked, you know, it's like, you know, Jake, uh, you know, leaves something for everybody else. And, I, and quite frankly, I'd, I'm not a fan of that. I think Jake got to get it all, and I was hoping Jake would win it all. But very happy to see Jake uh, to get that one. And then that's when it didn't stand for very long, not like the Eddie Furnace record, but uh, it just wouldn't have been right. And that's all due respect to Adam Frazier, and I'm sure Adam is more than happy to tip the cap to, to Jake Mangum. But Mangum singles, Westberg singles, and then Allen singles. And then it kind of felt like you had them on the ropes. You know, they bring in Schmelz to pitch to Allen to have the lefty-lefty matchup. And so you have three consecutive singles, and that's kind of what I was talking about earlier. You can't keep having non-productive outs in the top third of the order. And that's what happens. You get Mangum on, Westy gets a hit, Tenor gets a hit, and next thing you know, you got to run. And it really, that, that third run seemed to feel like 10 at the time. You just kind of felt like this was, that was a huge, huge at bat. Magnum, he grounds in double play, and in hindsight, uh, that turned out to be rather significant because State kind of had him on the ropes there. Uh, and that's baseball. You know, Magnum's up there trying to make a play and push one through, and, and it ends up being a double play. But again, it's 3 nothing, and you feel like, okay, with Lee Belt coming on, if Lee Belt can get us an inning or two, or maybe bring in Colby White, and then you get to Cole Gordon, we can win the ball game. Well, the first thing we do is uh, we walk Fitzgerald on a full count. Uh, and then we walk Benellis on a full count. And it's one of those things as a reliever, and I'm, I'm not being critical of Jared Liebel because he has been absolute money for Mississippi State just about all year long. One of, if not the most improved player on the team. You know, with Dustin Skelton, we talk about the progress he's made. But you saw some flashes from Skelton last year that made you somewhat optimistic that he you know, would have a good year this year. You know, Jared Liebel didn't have a good year last year. And so, uh, not being critical of Jared, but to open the frame with two back-to-back walks and basically put the tie-in run at the plate uh, without a run be without an out being recorded was not his finest outing. Snyder an infield hit, and it's one of those things that happens. You, you're playing, uh, you're playing up to field the bunt, and, the, and the, the guy just hits the ball into the six hole. Westberg runs it down. There's no play to be made. It's, you know, perfectly cued ball. So now the bases are loaded. Lee Belt bears down, battles back, gets a strikeout looking of Oriente. And you're thinking, okay, now we're one pitch away from getting out of this thing. We're one pitch away. Campbell comes up, singles through the left side, run scores. They hold everybody else. Just one of those wild things that happens. You know, I mean, it's just, it's baseball. When you walk people, eventually it comes back to bite you. Uh, then they have a fielder's choice at second base. Uh, we tried to run the double play, and uh, Foscu just did, didn't field it clean. And that, again, not being critical of Foscu, that, that's a guy that's doing a job we didn't recruit him to do. We recruited him to play uh, third base. 
and uh, now he's playing second because he's filling a team need. But uh, he fills it. And if we had gotten it clean, we might have been able to get out of it with a double play. But we didn't. And that's the bottom line. But we were able to escape with the lead. So you go to the eighth, three-two, and you feel like, man, if we can find a way to get to get an insurance run here, you know, to get well, at least get, at least one of his runs back, we can feel pretty good about where we stand. Uh, they bring in Poland. Foskey flies out, Skelton walks, Rowdy strikes out swinging, Landon Jordan strikes out swinging. At that point, it really felt like momentum had shifted. It really did. It felt like Louisville had everything. You bring in Gordon. He gives up back-to-back singles. and, and it, Well, let me back up a second. He gives up a single. And then it was a base hit that gets through, and then Mangum throws in behind the runner, and Foskey tags him. Now, from the replay that I saw, it looked to be 50-50. I mean, honestly. I think when they went to review it, I think whatever was called on the field was going to stand. I don't think there was anything that anybody could look at definitively and say, based on the angles that were available. Yeah, he got him. No, he didn't. And so, because he's called out on the field, and it's one of those things, too, it's almost on principle. You know, if you're an umpire there, you almost got to favor the defense on that play because it's it's a bad base running decision. And that's one of the things with Louisville. They they had some bad base running most of the night. Both of those balls in the dirt where Skelton throws them out, and then the situation here, and that was a, that was the tied run at the time. So he gets thrown out. Then you get a fly out to, to a center field, and you're thinking, okay, we're going to be able to get out of this thing. And uh, you get to count full on Bonellis, and what does Cole do on a full count? He throws a breaking ball for a strike. And, and I, I tweeted this out, and it's one of those, you know, Phrases for living. When you can throw your breaking ball for a strike on any count, it, it, it's baseball's a different game. It's just a different game, especially when you've got you know power hitters up there like Pinellas. You guys, if you make a mistake to him, because I'm sure he's hitting dead red fastball. And when he saw the bend on that thing, he couldn't pull the trigger, and he tries to run the first base to try to sell the the walk. But uh, it was an absolutely beautiful pitch by Cole. And at that point, I kind of felt like we had wrestled momentum back. It's like, okay, we're going to the ninth. We've survived the jam. We've gotten through the heart of the order. Cole's going to be back out there for the ninth. He's been money. Got that scoreless postseason streak. We're going to be good. We're going to be money. We come up, and uh, Gilbert struck out. Mangum's hit by the pitch. So now we've got an insurance run on. I remember thinking, man, if we can push this thing around, I think we got it. Westberg strikes out swinging. They bring in Detmers. And um, Mangum gets picked off. And uh, it, it's, it's one of those things, too. It's like when you begin to look at the final moment with Jake, that's, uh, that's not how it should end it, but it did. At this point, I still felt like we were okay. Felt like, okay, we just need to go out here because it seems to be in the ninth inning. When you get the first out, if you get that first guy out, it's like it all starts going downhill for you. It's like, and what I mean by that is that the work gets easier. You get that first guy, they kind of go with you. It just seems like, I'm not saying that people lay down, but when you get that first guy, it just sets the tone for the final frame. But instead, we walk the guy, and uh, it really looked, you know, the replay, it was a marginal pitch. Uh, it's crazy because uh, you get ahead on this guy. You get you get ahead one and two, and he ends up walking. Uh, but he was, Snyder walks. We try to pick him off. Ball gets loose. Now he's at second. Now the tying run is at second base with nobody out. Oriente singles to left center. The run scores. And then uh, 
Campbell's up there, and uh, it, it appeared to me that, uh, and like many of you people, you know, we, we got to see the replay. It, it appeared to me that the strike zone changed a little bit, and several people talked about it in the post game. But but here but here's the thing about all that, and I'm not I'm not going to blame umpires because we we had our chances, okay? We had our chances, and it's easy to point at that and say, well, you know, the umpires cost us the ball game, and and I, I just don't agree with that. Now all you really want is some consistency, and there has been some discussion about some inconsistency with zone. But but the umpires didn't make Mississippi State hit in the double plays. Umpires didn't make Mississippi State swing at bad pitches. And I know, I know go ahead and save your comments. Uh, well, Steve, I mean, when when they when they call it everything a strike against us, you got to swing at everything. There were a lot of balls that we swung at we didn't have any business swinging at. There were a couple balls in particular on full counts and three-one counts, balls up in his own. We're trying to hit a baseball out of TT to Mer- TD Ameritrade Park with uh, their wind blowing in at 13, 15 miles an hour. That's just not having good baseball awareness. And so there are some things that we can and must do better. But once we didn't get that call and the bench was warned and everything else, I just kind of felt that it was going to happen. And sure enough, it did. And uh, our misery begins. And uh, for, for others, it just continues. And what I mean by that, there's some, there is a segment of our fan base, and I guess it's the case in every fan base, but uh, there's a segment in our fan base is that they want to forecast failure. They cannot ever enjoy anything because they're always waiting for the carpet to get ripped out from under their feet. And you know what? Sometimes that happens. It does. But, but I, I'm, I am not embarrassed by this baseball team. I'm not embarrassed. By their performance, I'm not embarrassed the fact that they argued balls and strikes late in the ball game because they care. And one of the things that I want to share with all of you that I think is important to remember: no matter what they say when they sign, none of those players knew what they were getting into when they signed at Mississippi State. And what I mean by that is, they didn't know they were going to get. The passion, the love, the admiration, the respect that they got. They thought they knew, but they had no clue. They had absolutely no idea what we brought to the table as a Mississippi State family. And because of that, because of the best part of the Mississippi State family, it makes those guys want it even more, not just for themselves and for their teammates, and for all the Bulldogs that came before them, but they want it for you. And so what I would encourage all of us to do is to remember we're in this thing together. We may not all agree on how to get there, but we all want to win. Uh, you know, I, I don't know where negativity breeds success. I, I don't know that there's ever been a business model or a team built based on negativity that's ever accomplished anything. But also understand as fans, you've got to have the right to vent. And that's what a lot of these uh, social media groups are for. You can go out there and you can gripe and you can complain and you can get it out. I think that's a necessary part of fandom. I think you've got to be able to vent. It's part of the deal. Now, there are some people that uh, that's what they live for. You know, and and uh, it's like as soon as things went south last night, I began to see some of the people. Oh, we're never going to win an Apple championship. I, I don't, I don't believe that. Now, one of the things that I'll be honest about: there's not a lot of evidence to prove otherwise. There's not a lot of evidence in our history to say, you know what, we're going to win one. But I know this: I know that we have been to Omaha, 
what, three times in the last, what, six, seven seasons? We've only gone to back-to-back trips at Omaha twice in our history. That's 97-98 and 2018-2019. When I begin to think about the future and think about the commitment that we have made to college baseball, and you know, we used to think we were committed. Now we're, It's kind of like a, it's something my dad told me years ago. You know, it's, when it comes to baseball and Mississippi State, you know, there are a lot of schools out there that are kind of, they're, they're like breakfast. You know, and it's like their contribution to breakfast is much like the chicken. We're, we're not like the chicken. We're like the pig. Because the chicken is involved in breakfast, but the pig is totally committed. And that's kind of who we are. We are totally committed to college baseball. And so I, I say that to say this, is that uh, we have not seen our heyday in college baseball. And I firmly believe that we're going to win an AFL championship, and I firmly believe it's going to happen under Coach Chris Lamonis. And uh, one thing that uh, is the you know the worst part of fandom is everybody's everybody's smarter than the coach, and everybody second guesses every decision. We're going to have another top ten finish, and uh, while that's great, it's not what we intended. You know, and I remember last year when people were asking me since we got back from Omaha, well, Steve, you know, is next year a rebuilding year? And I said, no, next year's another Omaha year. Are you kidding me? What? Without without all our pitchers, you know, and at that point we didn't know what we were going to do. And people people forget, people forget the deficiencies that we had coming into the year, and still found a way to piece it together. And and actually, didn't have one of our best pitchers at his full availability down the stretch. And this is a fifty one fifty plus one team, and uh, yeah, I'm not making light of it. Uh, I think it's one of those things too that. Um, Kind of speaks well uh, for this for Coach Foxhall. I mean, the fact that he—I mean, let's 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 just be honest and frank with one another. He took Jared Lee Belt off the scrap heap of college baseball. That guy wasn't even sure he was even going to come back, and that he becomes one of the most reliable relievers in the country, and then ends up getting drafted. Are you kidding me? This is this is a kid last year that couldn't throw BP, and he's pitching in Omaha with our season on the line, and we're all expecting him to come through because he has earned that from us. Peyton Plumley, that's another guy that uh, you know nearly left. Didn't want to go anywhere else, but you know, nearly considered going in AIA or whatever and getting out of this thing, but he didn't. Cole Gordon was a guy that had already accepted a job and was going to move on with life without baseball. And all those guys come back, and they're a big part of the reason that we went to Omaha. Now I didn't come to Omaha just to get a T-shirt. I didn't just come to Omaha to hang out and 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 uh, you know eat eat well. I came to Omaha to cover a national championship. That was my hope, and that's not the case. But I'm not embarrassed to be a Mississippi State guy. I'm not embarrassed in this baseball team. I'm incredibly proud of this baseball team, but I am disappointed that we didn't finish the deal. I want to remind you, when you're back in town, and you should be, you should come out and spend some time with us to come explore Starville and get to do the things you don't normally get to do on game days by coming to Starville. But go to Bulldog Burger Company. Bulldog Burger Company is the place where the cool kids break bread at Starville. It is the restaurant closest to campus in the Cotton District. Daily specials. Follow them on Instagram. Follow them on social media. They'll keep you abreast of all that. This time of year, you know, that great restaurant-quality milkshake is kind of difficult to walk away from. That's always the good-to-go dessert. You come in. You have the great restaurant quality hamburger. 
you have the spring rolls, you have some great times with friends and family, you get great service, you get great, great food at a great price, and you walk out that door with a full belly, but you walk out with that, that milkshake. It's outstanding. It's absolutely outstanding. Go find your own favorites. Come by Bulldog Burger Company this summer. Get the kids out of the house. Make a trip to Starville. Take them, take them by and buy some clothes and, uh, and go have a hamburger. Enjoy the day. Bulldog Burger Company, the place in Starkville people go to meet. So, uh, so let's look at kind of what's what, if we move ahead here, and let's look at who's moving on, and uh, you know, let's you know, we'll start with the seniors. The seniors in college baseball are kind of a rarity, and they really are because most of the guys go pro you know, after a junior year. But uh, you know, we mentioned Cole Gordon. This is a guy last year that uh, was done with baseball. Now he is. Uh, been drafted by the New York Mets, so we expect him to have a bit of a pro baseball future. Asked him a little bit about it last night. Said, you know, so focused on all this. Hadn't even really thought about the next step. Peyton Plumley, a guy drafted by the Astros. Uh, a guy, you know, this time last year, we were talking about his numbers in the Cape Cod League and how well he was doing. And, you know, he might be that good number three guy for us. He might be a midweek guy for us. But, man, he could be the guy we need. It turns out he was the guy we needed. And he gave us all he wanted. Jake Mangum, of course, will will uh, we'll leave the program. It's one of the most beloved Bulldogs of all time of any sport. And there's already people talking about we need to retire number 15. You know, I think we should retire 15, too. But I think we should retire 15 in every sport. I think that number, and listen, it's easy to appreciate greatness in the moment. But it's only going to grow in hindsight. When you think about Dak, Tierra McCowan, Timmy Bowers, Jake Mangum, I'd I, I just say, you know, may, maybe that becomes a... Uh, you know, a sacred number for us. And you know, maybe we just say, you know what? Nobody's ever going to do it better in 15 than these folks did. So let's just go ahead and uh, and remove that from the possibility. Let's just go ahead and remove that as an option. I- I'm in favor of that. I-, I think the athletic department should just retire 15 in every sport, all the way across, every single sport. Just do it. I think that that, that should be our thing. And I really believe that. Um, and it's not because it's I'm having a Omaha hangover. I just don't believe that anybody should ever wear 15 to Mississippi State again in baseball or anything. That's just my personal opinion. And I will miss Jake. And uh, messaged him last night and, uh, you know, tip of the cap, you know, thanking him for his contributions to Mississippi State baseball. And he says, you know, he goes, I'm still going to be involved. I'm still going to be a part of Mississippi State baseball. It's just going to be different now. And it will be different. It'll be different for all of us. It'll be weird because we have grown so accustomed to having him come through in big moments for us. And uh, Jake is our guy. Jake is the Mississippi State story. You know, and, and one of the things before I kind of move down the list here that I think about how the game has changed. And I think about the success that Jake Mangum and Antoine DePlantis had. And they're very similar players. But, you know, my hope is, is that, you know, Guys like Jake and Antoine DePlantis, who are just ball players, you know what I'm saying? They're just, you know, they don't fit the matrix. They're, they don't have the measurables of some guy that's just some intimidated. They don't have a major league body. They just come out there and they play ball hard every day. They do it the right way. They lead their teams. Both of those guys have been emotional spark plugs for their programs over the course of the last four years. They've been great for the game of college baseball. And so my hope is with their success, that the recruiting model changes a little bit and that more Jake Mangums and more Antoine DePlantis get the opportunity to play major college baseball. I think, I think if anything, that's one of the greatest contributions those guys have made, not just to our conference, but to the game of college baseball. Because it's almost like we feel like, okay, 
if you can't get up here and mash 10 home runs a year, we don't want you. Uh, Jake didn't hit 10 in his career. Mississippi State. Could have hit a lot more. It just wasn't his game. He knows his strengths. Uh, but I'll miss him. Not just as a, as a player and as a person, but as an ambassador for Mississippi State. And that'll continue. You know, he'll always be true maroon, as they say. But uh, I, I, I will miss seeing him around town, no doubt. I mentioned Jared Liebelt, you know, and, and I've gotten to know uh, his dad, Tim, a little bit. And I'll tell you, it's, uh, it's been wonderful to see the transformation. And, and if you want to know why Scott Foxhall is such a great coach, I mean, just look at what he did with these second-chance pitchers. And, and there's not a better example of that than Jared Liebelt. And uh, last night looking at Jared in that dugout, man, I just you know, went up and shook his hand. I wasn't going to interview him. Uh, I, I could see the weight of all of it and the finality of it was on him. Uh, but, man, what a, what a solid, solid young man. Very happy to have, uh, have crossed paths with him. Glad that he was a part of our family. Marshall Gilbert, uh, and this is a guy, listen, Marshall had every reason in the world to transfer from Mississippi State. He did. He comes in, has a great time, and this is a guy from Kenosha, Wisconsin, okay? This isn't, this isn't a guy from Wiggins, you know. This guy didn't, didn't grow up in Madison. It's a guy from Kenosha, Wisconsin, living all the way across the country from his family. Comes down here. Loses the job at catcher to Dustin Skelton. Accepts a role kind of as a backup catcher. And then down the stretch last year, he played very little. I mean, just, I mean, really got, got to the point where he just simply could not make solid contact with the baseball. And if he had left, you know, I, I don't think anybody would have uh, been surprised. I don't think there would have been anybody that would have said, you know what, uh, that guy's given up on him. But he didn't. And he hung in there, and he ends up winning the position at third. And that wasn't a spot. But he did it to fill a team, team need. And down the stretch, he was as good as anybody on the team. He found a way to turn the lineup over and get Jake up. Uh, and so I'm very grateful for Marshall Gilbert for sticking with it. He ends up being drafted by the Pittsburgh Pirates. And so he will now report for assignment. And, and uh, they'll move on. He'll wear a different jersey now. But Marshall Gilbert, you know, I think really had the Omaha moment for Mississippi State this year. You begin to think about those memories and those things that will stay with you for a lifetime. And that's probably one of them. Marshall Gilbert getting to walk off hit against Auburn to put Mississippi State in the winner's bracket. Turned out to be the only game we won in Omaha. But Marshall's a big part of things. Uh, Elijah McNamee, I don't, I don't know if there have been many players at Mississippi State that have had the relationship with the Mississippi State fan base uh, as Elijah McNamee has had. It's, uh, this is a kid from Cypress, Texas. You know, and, uh, he didn't grow up in West Point either. You know, he didn't grow up around all of us, but he became one of us. And uh, not just because he put on a maroon and white, but he, Elijah Magnamy is Mississippi State. You know, it's like this, you, there are some kids that were born to play at Mississippi State. Mac is one of those, cat, one of those guys. He was born to be a Bulldog. And uh, he's had some huge moments for us. I mean, absolutely, you don't need me to recount them. But uh, the thing that I will miss the most about Mac is not uh, his grittiness and competitiveness, but I will miss the infectious grin on his face every time he got to take the field at Duty Noble Field. Every time he got to wear the M over S, it mattered to him. It was never anything that he took lightly. It was never something he thought, you know, well, 
I'd rather be doing something else. He wanted to be out there. And the way that our fans embraced him, and he didn't have a great sophomore year. And people forget he was a junior college transfer. He comes in, and John Cohen had told me that, that uh, his head coach at, at uh, junior college had said, you know, he's a guy that one day will get hot and he'll carry your team for 10, 15 games. And he's done that multiple times. But uh, he got hot late in that 2017 season, becomes a full-time starter in 2018. Uh, 2019, you know, he's, he's a guy that comes back and battles through a you know, pretty severe foot injury. I mean, you know, it's, he didn't want to do it. And I know a lot of people, when, uh, when he, get the, he had the surgery and was, they see him on the cast and people are thinking, oh, my gosh, he's done for the year. Well, he wasn't done for the year. And those who thought he was done for the year didn't know anything about Elijah Magnamy. But he comes back, and I'm sad to see the the road end, but I'm grateful to it that have shared the path a while with Elijah. Uh, Keegan James comes out and has uh, perhaps the best outing of his career in Omaha and uh, really shuts Vanderbilt down, held the game in place for us, and he's been drafted, and he'll he'll move on. And uh, happy for Keegan. And uh, there are a lot of guys on our team that, that are great ball players and great people. And I can share with you that Keegan James is among the best people. This is this is a guy that loves Mississippi State. This is a guy that has been a tremendous teammate. And he's a competitor. He wants to be out there, wanted to be out there a lot more. He did not cause problems, did not show jealousy. He sat out there and cheered for his guys as hard as you guys did. And uh, Keegan James uh, battled through some 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 pretty tough injuries at times. People forget he battled back from Tommy John. He was expected to be our Saturday starter here a couple of years ago and uh, gets injured and battles back. I'm glad he's going to have an opportunity to continue playing. He's got a big league fastball. Uh, the rest of it's still kind of under development, but uh, very happy to have had Keegan. And you know, Tyler Spring is gone. Tyler Spring is selected to transfer. He entered his name in the transfer portal. You, know, you have 35-man roster. You only get to bring 27 uh, in the NCAA tournament, Tyler didn't make that. He's elected to kind of move on. Uh, wish him the absolute best. He is a product of Wiggins, Mississippi. And uh, grateful for his contributions to Mississippi State. Kale Bro, been here forever and a day. He, uh, I've, I've learned that he is going to be a grad transfer. He is going to make the move to McNeese State. Be a little bit closer to home. Sulphur, Louisiana's home. I'll have one more year to play. Wish Kale the absolute best. Uh, he's one of those guys, too, that could have packed it up and left, but he didn't. He hung in here and gave it the best he could. He had just one appearance this year. Gave up a hit, walked a hitter, and got a strikeout. So he records one-third of an inning. And uh, now he'll get one more year. And that's one of those things, too, you think about. You only get a short time in life to play ball. And there are many of us that would sacrifice just about anything for one more year to go back and play. And Kale will get that opportunity. Uh, Ethan Small, a redshirt junior, first-round pick by the Brewers. Uh, I'm sure he's probably uh, – this weekend will be making the move to wherever the Brewers want him to be, whether it be their home office or whatever, and come by and sit down and sign paperwork or whatever. But uh, you know, Ethan's another guy battled back from Tommy John's surgery. I actually didn't have the velo after the surgery, but became a better pitcher. Used to be just a power arm. He was, he was a thrower. Now he's a pitcher. And it's incredible to see the transformation with him. And uh, the only guy back, you know, that we, it's the thing we think about you know, from last year, you know, is uh, you know, that's the only guy that started for us in both years in the rotation. Ethan Small, Tristan Barlow, he'll sign a professional contract. 
left-handed pitcher reliever out of Dyer County High School there in Halls, Tennessee. He'll move on. I'm not exactly sure what Spencer Price's plans are. I probably should have asked him last night. It was an emotional locker room. You don't want to linger too long. And let let me share this with you guys, too, because I see there's there's always a little bit of criticism. There's always one or two people that have something to say. And and I'm going to be very candid about this because I think it's important you guys know that. So we in the media, those of us that cover Mississippi State baseball regularly, and there are some that cover it more regularly than others, but this is not that conversation. But we develop a relationship with these players. And uh, and you see them all the time. You interview them. You talk to them. You get to know their families. They, they, they know you. When you see them on the road, they come up and speak and thank you for the coverage and sort of stuff. And so when we see them walking down the hallway in tears, it bothers us. Even those of us that don't have a rooting interest, even those of us that, you know, that had never attended a Mississippi State game before in our lives before taking the job. It's difficult. The hardest part of the job is going into the locker room after the final game when the finality of the whole thing is realized. It's difficult. It's the hardest thing for all of us. But what we have to deal with is nothing compared to what those players are dealing with. But when we have to go in there, we've got, we've got a job to do. And you guys want us to do that job. You want to know what the players are, are saying. You want to know what the reaction is. But it's very difficult to have to go in there and put a camera or a microphone or recorder in their face after they just had a gut-wrenching loss. Very, very difficult, especially when it's the final loss. I would say the only thing that comes close is interviewing a coach after a player has suffered a season or career-ending injury. Those are the worst. That's the absolute worst. It's not always a good-time business. It's not. And I'd love to be, sit here and tell you that, that it's always fun. But that's not fun. It's not fun to go in there and have to sit down with Cole Gordon, you know, 15 minutes after he's blown the first save of the year and uh, suffered his first loss of the campaign in the final game that he'll ever pitch at Mississippi State. That's not fun for me. But it's important that you hear from him. And it was important on his behalf. I think he wanted you guys to hear from him. He wanted to be able to let you know what happened and how he felt and how grateful he was. I know Elijah McNamee wanted you guys to know how much he loves you. It's important to these guys because without the media sometimes, it's difficult for them to kind of articulate. They don't get that opportunity. They don't get on social media. But some of the times they, they want that opportunity. But it is very, 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 very difficult to walk into a locker room. I've had to do it on the NCAA Women's Final Four a couple times. When our ladies have lost a national championship game, had to walk in there and deal with you know the the grief and frustration with all that. Uh, that's uh, that's part of it, and and for us it ends. You know, I mean, yeah, it lingers a little bit, but uh, it, as much as it all means to us, we don't make the investment. And I, when I say us, I mean all of us that, that pull from Mississippi State. We don't have that same investment that the players do. Our livelihood is doesn't isn't dependent on wins and losses. In some extent, ours is, because, you know, if Mississippi State wins, we do well in business. And when they don't, we don't. But uh, I think you have to have a heart for those people. You have to understand, you know, and, and I'm not saying treat them with kid gloves, but you have to have some sensitivity to understand they're dealing with something very difficult. Uh, not exactly sure what Gunnar Halter will do. 
Uh, I have heard that he he could have he could be a guy that could be a, a post draft signee for somebody. I don't know. You know, they'll know if he'll go if he'll be back or not. Uh, just, we'll get some clarity on that after we uh, we'll have a postseason wrap up with uh, with Lamontis here in a few days, and we'll ask some of these things. Uh, Dustin Skelton, he he's gone. He will uh, he'll go ahead and sign a professional contract and move on. Riley Self was an undrafted junior. Expect Riley to be back, and I'll tell you, Riley. Down the stretch, had put some good things together. Uh, Riley's not what he was last year. He had the offseason shoulder surgery, and he's still not back 100%. My hope is is he'll return to form and be a big part of that long relief effort next year. Uh, Riley Self loves Mississippi State about as much as anybody in the world. And uh, I, I can assure you he wants to get that philo back. He wants to be able to get that sharper cutting action back. Uh, but uh, you know, it took a little while, but he got going late and uh, had, had some big innings for State. Didn't have his best outing here at Omaha, and I know that he's eager to get back. Uh, Jack Egan last night stood up and shook my hand and said, hey, we'll be back. We'll be back. Uh, so I take that to mean that Jack plans to return to Mississippi State for his senior season. Colby White, he will go ahead and sign a professional contract. And I uh, had a chance to visit with him last night. Very, very emotional. It's one of those things, too, you know, it's, um, it's interesting. You know, Colby shared the ride for a short time. You know, comes in, goes to West Marion High School, goes to PRC, and then comes in Mississippi State and spends really just the one year with us. And and I don't know that there was anybody more emotional than him last night. And uh, it's one of those things, I think, when you get up, when you become a part of all of this, and you put that jersey on and you, and you get so close, I think it's just one of those things that stays with you. It gets in your veins. You know, people talk about inject this in my veins. I think this. I think Colby's one of those guys that uh, dreamed of playing big-time college baseball and got a chance to do it and parlay that into a professional baseball career. And I think that's exciting for him. But I think leaving his friends behind. I, th- I think the journey this year changed Colby White. I think he became a different person. and. Uh, you know, maybe it's because he's from Marion County, which is where I'm from, that uh, maybe I've got a, a soft spot for him. But I remember the first time talking to him, and and uh, he was so incredibly grateful. You know, the people back home are going to be able to read a story about him and uh, really excited for him. So we begin to look, you know, uh, most of these, uh, all the seniors are gone and just about all the juniors are going to be gone. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a different looking team next year. But let's go ahead and look at some of the guys that will be back. Rowdy Jordan will be back. Rowdy, uh, that's the thing you think about this sophomore class. All they know is Omaha, right? I mean, they've been to Omaha twice and probably feel like perhaps they've kind of got this thing whipped. But uh, Rowdy will be back. I, I suspect that we'll see Rowdy move to center next year. I don't know if he becomes a leadoff hitter or not. Might have to change his makeup a little bit. We'll see. But uh, Rowdy... Rowdy's Rowdy. So we'll have one more year of the Rowdy Rowdy chant for sure. Tanner Allen was drafted uh, this year as a draft-eligible sophomore. He's already announced his plans to return. He'll be a big part of the lineup. Josh Hatcher, part of that that strong sophomore class. It's one of those things you begin – he's almost a forgotten man for a while in that deal. You know, people forget he actually was the uh, opening day first baseman for State last year. And he worked his way back. So I think he'll be the starter in right field next year. And I think that's probably the way that thing that thing goes. Um, West, you'll be back at short. I, th- I think there was a time they considered uh, possibly moving him to the outfield or whatever. 
Uh, I think Westy will stay at shortstop. And down the stretch, he was just, he played some really good baseball. But uh, he's a guy with an incredibly high work ethic. He will only get better. I think he's probably already made his jump. He's just got to get some ABs. You know what I'm saying? He's had a ton this year, struck out a lot, but uh, had some big hits for us and, and was big in the regional and the super regional. Had a couple big hits here in Omaha. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think West, I think Westbrook has the potential to be a star next year in this league. Uh, Justin Foscue is a guy that I think he's already made his jump too. Now, where, the, where, where he ends up position-wise next year will be rather interesting because I think deep down he wants to go back to third. I think he likes third. But he was so good at second this year. I think that's probably something that will take fall baseball to figure out. You know, Foskey probably needs to be a corner infielder. I think that's where he fits best. And you want those guys who power guys, whatever. But I think Foskey's made his jump, but I think he'll only be more refined as a hitter as he comes back next year. And see, so when you begin to think about that group just, just right there, that group of guys right there, Rowdy Jordan, Tanner Allen, Josh Hatcher, Jordan Westbrook, Jordan Foskey, that Jordan, Justin Foskey. That that's 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 the core of your team for next year. You could probably go ahead and put that. That's the heart of your order right there, right there. Those are five guys right there. They're going to play every day. So you begin to think about you know, your, your your competitions. Okay, one you're going to have a, a very interesting competition at catcher. Hayden Jones, Luke Hancock. They'll both you know play. And I, I've been told that. If the days that Luke Hancock doesn't catch, he'll probably DH because he's got such a good stick. And so those are some young guys that will compete, and State's got a couple of good catchers coming in. So, I mean, the catching piece is going to be very – not going to be experienced, but very talented. we got to find one more infielder, and you've got several guys signed. And that's one of the things you look at this year. Some young guys, maybe Landon Jordan is a factor there. Maybe Landon Jordan wins a job at second base. I don't, I don't know. Maybe Gunnar Halter comes back. Don't know. But you know you're going to have three of your four infielders returning, and you're going to have one everyday starter in the outfield returning, and then Hatcher, a guy that, that swung it a lot down the stretch and has been played some in right field when, uh, when McNamee was down. And so it's going to be about finding a left fielder and finding another infielder and then settling the catching position. And when you consider what State had to look at last year, you came back with the outfield set, you knew what you had there with Rowdy, Jake, and, and Mac, but you had to figure some things out on the infield. You felt pretty good about Foscue. You felt, you know, that uh, Westy could, could handle short, but you know, remember you had to replace both middle infielders. People forget Luke Alexander didn't come back this year. Hunter Stovall signed with the Rockies. Uh, and so you, both middle infielders had to be replaced, and you had to settle the catching situation. So there's going to be those issues every year. There's going to be some battles that have to be figured out. And then when you begin to think about this pitching situation, uh, that's rather interesting because I actually think that uh, we might actually have better, better talent next year. Now people say, well, Steve, you got Ethan Small. And then I'm not being critical of Ethan Small, but I think as a staff on the weekend, I think we might actually be more talented. And what I mean by that is, is have better stuff, have better velo. We didn't have a lot of experience this year with some of those guys. They'll need a big cape and a big fall. Uh, looking on down the list here a little bit, we stopped with uh, with Foskey there. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens with J.P. Elkins. We know what J.T. Ginn's going to bring. J.T. Ginn, we expect him to be the Friday night guy next year, and, and he'll be better for it. He'll be okay. Brandon Smith, 
you know, he's a guy that could factor in. But uh, I have heard some talk that he might be your closer next year because he's a strike thrower. He's a big, strong, competitive kid. He might be the guy that come, ends up being the closer for you. Uh, we mentioned Hayden Jones and Luke Hancock. Bryce Brock is another guy, a left-handed guy that uh, that could factor in there. You know, a guy that can play some in the outfield, but also to a you know, quality left-handed arm. One of the speaking of left-handed arms, the name you need to know for next year, the name you got to make sure you're aware of, is Christian McLeod. Everybody says this guy's the future first-round talent. Everybody, everybody involved in Mississippi State baseball said this guy would pitch for us this year had he not got sick. You know, when he had the, the mono and pneumonia and, and uh, lost a bunch of weight, got really, really sick. He's back now. He's doing good. He'll need a big fall, but he's a guy we expect to be a factor on the weekends. Uh, Benjamin Bell's another guy, you know, young guy that's uh, coming in, making the team, working hard. We mentioned Landon Jordan. Brad Cumbus is a guy that a lot of the scouts love. Absolutely love him. They, they think if he uh, continues to progress that he's a guy that could be a big leaguer someday. And uh, didn't get a lot of at-bats down the stretch. But uh, Brad's still figuring this thing out. Eager to see what he can do on the football field. Basil Williams is a guy that signed weeks. He's already, tra- he's already in a transfer portal. He won't be back. Um, and then uh, not exactly sure what the Hunter Bullock situation will hold. But uh, Eric Sarantola is a guy that uh, they've got high hopes for him too. And, and so if, if I had to call it today based on the returning players, I think you're going to see JT Ginn, Christian McLeod, and Eric Tarantola. I think ideally if those guys make the jump that we expect next year, you could have a very, very, very talented weekend rotation. And you've got some other guys coming in you feel really good about. And so it's just about finding the other pieces. It's about piecing this thing together. You've got to find a guy like another Jared Lee Belch. You've got to find a guy that can go out there and get you through the order one time uh, as a reliever and get it to your closer. You've got to identify that closer. But the bottom line is this, is this season is over. And we'll take some time to cherish the memories. We'll take some time to lick our wounds. But the train's not going to stop rolling. And there are some people out there that are telling you, well, you know, if we didn't win it this year, that's, that's a loser's mentality. Mississippi State's going to put a great baseball team on the field next year. Mississippi State's going to be in contention to go to Omaha again next year. We have never gone to Omaha three years in a row. It's never happened in our, in our history. It's never happened. It could happen next year. It absolutely could happen. I think Mississippi State's in a great position right now, just based on what you've got coming back to be in a position to host a regional. And if you, if you have a good enough regular season, perhaps a super regional. But I, I expect postseason baseball at Duty Noble next year. And, I, and here's the thing about that, too, that I don't think most people realize. And uh, we have not seen JT again at 100% this year. Just hadn't seen it. He's uh, dedicated to work in this offseason. Uh, going to add another pitch, and uh, he is as a competitive kid as you'll ever be around. This is the future of our program. And talking to, you know, I think McNamee and Jake Mangum are about as good a contact as any when it comes to, you know, the, these are the guys that face the other pitchers. And you ask them, hey, who are the names to look for? Hey, Sarantola's got electric stuff, and he and McLeod are potential first-rounders. You talk to Scott Foxhall and he'll tell you, you know, when you turn on the Major League Baseball Network, that's what you see. These guys have the pro body. They have that long, lean, intimidating physical presence on the mound. And so we expect them to come back and, and be ready to go. We've got some answers. We've got some questions to answer. But that's going to be the case every year in college baseball. And while it's, we fell a little bit short of our goal this year, 
And, and, and that's one of the things that I want to say before I go. One thing that's different from us and other programs is there are a lot of people, the goal is to get to Omaha. Our goal is to win a national championship. We've been to Omaha 11 times now. We're going with a greater regularity. So when we don't win the national championship, we're sad because we don't win it. We're sad we don't win the final game. There are a lot of people that would be overjoyed. Mike Martin said it best, and I'm so glad I got to be a part of that, his final press conference, because there are a lot of people out there that would love for their final, their season to end in Omaha. But that's the difference in expectations in our programs and others, is that there's only one thing left to do for us, and that's win an Apple championship. We didn't do it this year. But as soon as we get one, I'm going to want two. And as soon as we get two, I'm going to want three. There's never going to be any end of the things that we want. And, and listen, as great as it is to get to Omaha, and it is wonderful. It, if you've never been, you have to plan to go. It is inc- an incredible experience to watch your team play in Omaha. But we've been to Omaha, and just getting to Omaha ain't good enough. We've got to find a way. We've got to find the pieces. And my hope is the new dude, the new staff, will be able to recruit it at a high enough level that we'll be able to get those pieces. And people will realize, you know, you can go in the living room and say, you know what, if we'd had you, we'd had one more pitcher, we'd had one more hitter, we'd have had you in our order, we'd have won that ball game. We'd have found a way to beat Vanderbilt. We'd have found a way to get to the College World Series Final Series. But that's not the case. I still believe our best days lie ahead, and I hope that you do too. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends and enemies, and people can see a difference in the way we live.